0: So, Stuart, just you know, give me the headline and first paragraph. What are you doing, and how's it going?
1: I died in a shipwreck. Uh, the world became lighter, and uh, <laughs> they're putting my body in a repository in Holland. No, well, first of all, I just gotta say I miss you. It's so good to hear your voice. Yeah. I miss you
0: been a long time it has been a long time a couple of years i'm assuming two
1: years two consecutive years yes and so i'm supposed to give you a big hug from the family oh, and from myself
0: yeah yeah love love Marcy to mercy and the, and the girls they miss you very much yes, and she indeed. wanted to
1: make sure you got that so yeah just two years ago moved over to amsterdam and before that i did about a year and a half tour on this the last album i put out uh, called Music for Mortals and did 130 cities on that. And then at the end of that, just felt like I was ready to try something for a period of time that didn't involve touring and didn't mm-hmm. involve the the machine of music in terms of moving around the country. So we came over here and been living in a houseboat for two years, the most cliched but idyllic. I mean, the, the cliche lives up to its reputation. Living in a houseboat in Amsterdam has been really... It's been kind of cradling and soothing and cathartic, and I've really? just turned to writing. Yeah, I've been writing for the last couple of years.
0: Wow. So a houseboat on one of the canals right in the city?
1: Right in the center of the centrum, as central as it gets. Yeah, and a houseboat on a canal.
0: Wow. That's so cool.
1: It's really, I have to say, it has exceeded our hopes and expectations. I think we kind of... Uh, Injected a lot of romantic notions onto that move
0: you, you're <laughs> like I'm at, doing right looking, now I'm, yeah
1: I'm, I, I yeah that's what we do but it has actually uh lived up to and beyond what we hoped and I'm really blown away I mean we were only going to stay for a year right mm-hmm. and we after a year we were like that's not nearly long enough we can't leave and really? so we stayed two years and now we're planning on staying three um well, wow. I just I just don't know I mean America seems to be sh- soldiering on without us
0: <laughs> yeah no undoubtedly um, so what are you seeing I mean what's the draw what's you know Amsterdam there you are in the middle of it you feel like you're you're in the groove you're going to stay what's what are you getting what what do what you find in there
1: that's a, gr- that's a great question, and I think it's definitely directly related to the integral conversation in many ways. I mean, for starters, I first came to Holland and to the Netherlands probably 10 or 12 years ago, maybe 15 years ago, and I used to tour over here every year or two, and I, I developed. This was the first European country where I had any kind of fan base or support, really, so I toured frequently, and I immediately felt that the Netherlands was a pretty highly developed population. I mean, just in terms of the center of gravity, which is interesting because Ken had done some informal discussion of, of uh, altitudes and you know cultural differences and that shift in center of gravity as you migrate around Europe and other parts of the world. So, I mean, a lot of that stuff is pretty loosey-goosey demographic and scientific and empirical data-wise. But mm-hmm. I will say, living here... I have found a lot of that to be true. The Dutch are just generally a very rational, highly intelligent uh, population of people that are very accustomed to navigating not only the waters, but the waters of cross-cultural exchange and having visitors from other parts of the world. This is very much a hub that for hundreds of years, as you probably know, has been one of the central ports. So it's it's been an axle of all of the cultures for centuries and you feel that living here and you it's a surprising equanimity for for how densely populated it is and how much um, moves through here very quickly and for a long time they're very uh, grounded rational folks so yeah. I like that. I like the weather. I mean, it, almost any part you want to look at. Like, I love the weather here. Uh, I like how close it is to all the other European countries. I love the way that they receive visitors but give them space. Um, I, I'm interested in how the, you know, the burgeoning integral scene and the intellectual spiritual streams are converging in a very. I think, uniquely European way. You probably ha- know more about all of this stuff than me because you were so deeply involved in the European conference, which mm-hmm. I wasn't there. Do you want to say a bit about that?
0: Well, when you talk about the, the just the sort of personality of the Dutch, I just immediately think of what the conservatives over here are warning us, that we're about to become the Dutch, you know, that we're going to become the uh, both economically and culturally, we're moving towards the Northern European model. I don't know if you saw some of the new statistics about uh, how Americans are losing their religion. And of course, gay marriage is, I think, a couple weeks around the corner here when the Supreme Court rules. And there's definitely a, it feels like a movement to the left in even in terms of the economics. I mean, there's really traction now in this country around the idea of income inequality and, you know, the, the sense that the game is rigged in, um, you know, in, in, particularly in high finance. And so it's interesting to me to hear what's going on in Holland and in and, and Europe. And that's, of course, I got a good drink of that when I was at the conference last year. And it seems like they're pretty happy about it. <laughs> you know, that I, uh... We might be able to even, you know, ignore <laughs> the warnings and, and, and continue on. But uh, I'd love to hear what you think.
1: Well, I will qualify my answer, first of all, by saying that I think the first year that we lived here, we didn't fully integrate and not that we are now, but the second year that we lived here has been much more characterized by, for instance, learning the language and the, my kids have been in Dutch school now for a year and a half and they speak Dutch. And so that whole process has involved much of more of us. Uh, just being a part of the society here Mm -hmm. and not living like an expat. And the first six to nine months, I think we lived more like expats. Having been here for two years and wanting to stay for three, I will say... Although I'm not acquainted intimately with the workings of the Dutch political system, you know, to a deep degree, people here are pretty darn happy and it's a very sane place. It's not just the population that feels like there's a sanity to it, but the whole way that things work is, is comparatively smooth functioning and calm and there's a lot that you don't notice. I mean, I tweeted a story from the Dutch paper the other day about a hedgehog that got drunk and was rescued from a gutter because I think it kind of, it's a joke, but it also typifies how there's not the kind of news that you're used to in in America. So I have definitely appreciated, uh, you know, as I said back living in the States uh, and feel in general, we want better problems. I mean, I think integral the part of our conversation is that we want to develop into better problems. And I do feel that living here, they do have better problems. Mm -hmm. Now I will also say they have a country of, of, you know, it's a tiny fraction. I don't can't remember 18 million people or whatever, but it's so small that it's also like trying to turn New Jersey into a great place or yeah. something. It's it's like trying to make Colorado a great country. They have better problems, but they don't have the scale and unwieldy apparatus that we contend with in the US. Yeah. So
0: no, I certainly wasn't
1: welcome to Holland from my political perspective, <laughs> I'll tell you that. <laughs> really? But I offer it. Well, you know, I mean, I'm an artist. I have a pretty oh, kaleidoscope, yeah, right. course, yes. smashy look at things. Yeah. But
0: well, it's let me a just, beautiful do, while, place. While we're yeah. on politics, just, and then we can move on. But what do you know, or do you see or, or feel about the racial dynamics, the Muslim issue? Is that up front in in Holland, or is that?
1: I would say that's of real problems. And the one that, you know, having been here for two years, I'd say that's the thing that's foremost in the conversation and energy of the country, just from my experience. It's definitely a very emotionally charged thing. And it's a real... Day to day issue. There's a ton of tension around it and confusion. So, you don't deal with like a bunch of school shootings and stuff like that here so much, but there's definitely a a cultural conversation happening around pluralism and what to do with the problem of becoming really great at including everyone. And then, having done so, you've included those that won't include. It's a real vertical, horizontal. Uh, math, you know, or, or uh, integer problem in the uh, calculus of integral perspectives that I think the gang on your in your audience is really familiar with. Mm-hmm. So, in a really simple way, what you have is pluralistic center of gravity. And, and then everything else brought into the mix, including obviously within Islam, every vertical altitude you can think of exists here within the Netherlands. And I think generally a, probably a more highly developed version of Islam exists here. Mm-hmm. Although I'm not qualified to compare it all, but that's just off the hip. It's a huge issue and everyone uh, talks about it, thinks about it and feels about it all the time. It's much more in a... In a in a way, I'd say it's much more upfront and kind of personal because this is a very personal place. Like Amsterdam is small. You walk around and bike everywhere and you see everyone and it doesn't feel quite as far removed as when you're in the States and you're living in Denver and the next closest town is Omaha. You know, there's right. a space and a distance. Not that that's a great consolation to anyone in America when tensions are running. So, yeah, I think it's a huge issue, maybe the biggest one. And there's mm-hmm. some famous Dutch politicians over here that speak really strong. You can see all the same perspectives and worldviews enacted here, but kind of in a tighter, more familial theater. Interesting. Um,
0: yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, one of the things I've heard about other friends who have moved to Holland and, you know, maybe in other European countries too, but I'm specifically thinking Holland, is that there is, um, it was hard for them to get Dutch friends. They finally gave up and got some American friends, other expats, but they didn't feel like it would, they could really penetrate Uh, the Dutch familial culture, I mean, where you really get in and feel like you're part of it. And I wonder if that's true or your experience, and how you would see that differently than America where, um, you know, I think we're just sort of of by nature of the demographics. We're not one, you know, pure stream of culture. We're just, we're all mixed up. That maybe it's easier here. And I hear that anecdotally that that's true. And uh, wonder what you think.
1: Well, the difference between me and your friends is that they wanted friends when they moved here, whereas I'm a
0: <laughs> I'm a hermit. And I stay in the
1: boat for like four months at a time, writing.
0: Oh, for God's sakes.
1: I mean, I'm kind of half joking, but you know, I like I said, the first six months we were here, we were so enamored of being in a boat in a canal, and I also think you don't really notice that you're not being welcomed into. Uh, it, oh let's put it this way when we first moved here it can feel so western and so familiar because this really is a group of people who are experts at welcoming and having cohabitators while simultaneously remaining impenetrable to them and mm-hmm. they're so good at it that you don't notice <laughs> so that's true in my experience um, especially for me much less so with my wife because my wife is as you know Marcy she's kind of a nuclear bomb of effusive joy and friendship and (laughs) connectivity. So she just refuses to acknowledge Dutch boundaries and (laughs) smashes through them. And I would say half the time that the Dutch recoil and the other half of the time they just are completely won over. So (laughs) she she has made a lot of really – True friends, true Dutch friends, locals. And we've, I would say, for instance, we've really been welcomed on our block, but that took more than a year. Uh-huh. After we lived on this block for a year and the locals found out that we were going to stay more than a year and that we were residents and not tourists, the attitude totally changed on our block. And we now have, I would say, eight or 10 true friendships from our block that we live on. But I would say the, characteris- the, the characterization that you were describing from anecdotes of friends is true. And they really, I don't know if this is true or not, but I feel like they do it as a very skillful way to be able to live with so many people in such a small space and so many foreigners. This is such a multicultural place and it's mm-hmm. such a hub that the Dutch figured out a way to have a very private, protected um culture of their own. And so you like I said, you might think like, oh, this is so much like America. After a year and a half you really figure out, oh, it's very definitely a totally different culture, but it's very slowly revealed if if ever. I don't think I've penetrated it so much. I mm-hmm. mean, I have a few Dutch friends from music and art, um, and kind of from the business, but I'm also just a total shut in, so I don't seek <laughs> friends. Um, you know, I figure if you and I talk every couple of years, that should be good to go. <laughs>
0: <laughs> no, me too, actually. But I keep dragging myself out.
1: How about you? Can you, can, can I get the, the uh, flip side and get the gossip and 411 from you since I've been out of town the last couple of years?
0: Yeah. Um, yeah, we're, um, you know, Denver and Boulder continues to be, I think, I see it as Integral Valley. You know there's a lot of people here who are in the scene and the, you know the integral center still going strong and robert's running it and that's been good and ken's still you know producing great stuff we're uh i'm working with diane and terry on a program we call the integral living room which we do once we're going to do it just once this year but we've been doing it twice and I'm working with Steve McIntosh at another program. And but the main thing for me is that I'm doing this Daily Evolver. And I um I got uh hooked up with a, a guy who actually came to the What Next conference. I don't know if you were there, Stuart, but that we did that a couple of years ago. That might have been right when you were leaving. But um he's a internet marketer and he's into integral. And he came up to me with a proposal to promote the Daily Evolver, which I was just putting on Integral Life and, um, you know, just posting on a website that I never promoted, and I didn't care that much. I was sort of appallingly indifferent to whether or not anybody mm-hmm. was listening to it. It's the strangest thing. And uh, But at any rate, I, I I let his proposal actually sit in my desk for over a year before I even read it. But I did read it, and and then I got in touch with him, and uh, it's been really helpful, uh it, and I, I, I of course hired Brett, my assistant, and and he's a go getter. He, he 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 really has helped you know shape the whole product. And um, so you know we got on iTunes and we got on some Google lists and uh, did some marketing and uh, advertising and so forth. And you know last season I got twenty thousand downloads. It's oh my god, amazing to me.
1: That's yeah. fantastic. I know. I, I remember when you said you wanted to do that. I mean, I see I remember I think the week or two initially that you know this was back uh I can't remember where we were, but I think it was the integral center and I remember you and uh, sharing the idea and I just thought that sounds amazing. It was a while after that when you finally launched with yeah. things, but I got to just hand you Mega props, not good to get into a backslapping session and stuff, but I just think it's so awesome that A, you did it, B, you've stuck with it, and it remains <clears throat> as this consistent source of actual content, and I'd love to see that it has come into the world and come to fruition in that way, because, you know, we... Uh, uh, they have a surplus and a great abundance of ideas and inspirations. But as you know, now making stuff and actually getting it out into the world is a whole other, it is whole other ordeal. And it's so beautiful that you're doing
0: that. Yeah. Well, thanks, man. It, uh, I feel like I really hit the groove and, um, you know, and I can do it in my pajamas, unshaven. And that is, you know, worth its weight in gold. All of that
1: plus, but it also just feels to me like you've really come into that voice and are this living source of wisdom and and life experience and you know you're holding a position of authority and integrity in the community that i just think is really needed and really valuable so that's all i'll say thank you very much
0: oh man well thank you Stuart. Uh, i did i have turned 61 now so i guess it's time for my eldership your soul though
1: (laughs) how old your soul that's true
0: my deep my soul is young Actually it's so it's so funny. I think I look at 61 and I think, "Wow." You know, I mean, I don't even relate to that number. I still feel like I'm in my 20s. I feel the same way.
1: You're young Yep. So, so
0: Stuart, what are you doing? You're well, you're I, writing. Uh... You you mentioned you got some music and and you're working with some people there and give give us the lowdown.
1: A lot, yeah. Um Uh, How much should I enlist in this? Let's put some personal elements into it too so it can um, get some of the gushy stuff in there as well. I also stopped drinking uh, about two, and almost two and a half years ago. Hmm. And that factors into, you know, I might not necessarily mention that in other talks or interviews, but I think in the integral equation, it definitely is relevant to this other stuff I've been working on, which is simply trying to turn focus from, The outward more, you know, if you think of the exoteric, esoteric, like the outward version of my life, which was touring and all that stuff prior, coming here, turning inward, trying to really reacquaint myself with the inner night landscape of creativity and I have been writing television shows and theatrical plays and uh feature length films so (laughs) I would say about a half a dozen projects have finished in the last couple years in the boat and trying to find um not only ways to metabolize the difficulty other than whether it's alcohol or other altered state inducing things but find the interior you know exogenous altered states um not just creativity but reacquainting myself more deeply with meditation and really jeff like i gotta say it's cool to talk to you about this too because sex god rock and roll was really you know you and i made that together Mm -hmm. along with ross and the team and when we did that and had those first meetings and we agreed to create that that together, yeah. I really became clear that that was my dharma kind of from that point forward in life and really a focal point of trying to bring the baby through my body, you know, the integral spiritual baby and the creative um to whatever extent I can participate creatively in that unfolding for the rest of my life. So after Sex God Rock and Roll season two, I started to write other shows and other films. That's still what I'm doing here. And in a nutshell, I'm I'm still trying to create a body of work and get things brought into production. And it's been much harder than I thought it was going to be. I mean, like really. Ten times hard. I mean, I'll say it two ways. Ten times easier to write the material and create than I thought it might be, but ten times harder to get things um, made in this current cultural climate, in this current – it's not there yet. I mean, Mm -hmm. the – demographic and the population that I think will want to get this entertainment and will love this, a more interior, uh, depth-oriented entertainment. I think it's inevitable. its I'm still totally convicted that yeah. the day and age is coming and it's not far away, but it was farther away than I thought it was when I started five years ago. Yeah. And so that's still really what I'm plugging away on here and, and will continue to do so.
0: Well, I think what you're saying about the entertainment Piece of it is true for the whole piece of it. Uh, I still am, uh, I, I just am incredulous that integral theory hasn't caught on like wildfire in the intelligentsia, in the leading I edge totally of the culture. I
1: totally agree. I think about it all the time. I mean, I couldn't concur more, uh, whether it's academia or politics, any sphere of life that I look around at, I just am flabbergasted that there has been this membrane we haven't punched through yet. And that's exactly it. Yeah.
0: I mean, when when I, I often tell the story when I got my, probably 50% of my integral download was glancing at a bookstore on a, on, a, on a table where there was a book called Up From Eden. I mean, just well, that, that yep. we hadn't fallen from paradise, that we were rising, was, I felt it um, cellularly. It changed yeah. me. And, you know, for me, it's just gone on from there and it's helped explain so much and made the world so much friendlier and lightened my load Uh, and and made me a different and better person, that it's astonishing to me that it hasn't caught on faster. It it has. I mean, we can sort of, um, you know, look at what hasn't happened, but we also have to look at what has happened. And you know this better than I do, Stuart, because you've been around since before I was, in terms of, you know, working with Ken and knowing Ken and so forth. But there is an integral community in the world now. And 10 years ago, there wasn't.
1: That's absolutely true. I mean, I'll tell you, I remember when I first encountered Ken's work <clears throat> and the, the first thing I had was sex ecology. And we, the f- friend of mine who was reading the book with me and we're kind of having a two-person book club on it, we just sat there and thought, who in the hell is this person and and so we did everything we could do to search you know i, I can't even remember what the extent of integre- in of uh, the online internet world was at that point but you know in a nutshell what it came down to is eventually i did phone searches and i found the ken wilber in boulder colorado etc <laughs> there there was this was you know i don't know what year was it, it was 1996 or 1997 yeah. definitely one of those two years sex ecology just came out so we found him in the phone book. There was nothing, <laughs> Jeff. There was no community. Right. There was no, I mean, it was just, it was the boulder, like, still reverberating from Trunkpa, you know, yes. which is great. But it was still that. So you're right. In that amount of time, 1997, in the last 20 years, uh, an entirely global community does exist. It's real. Yeah. And I don't, maybe we don't pause often enough to, appreciate how quickly that happened and how beautiful it is that it exists and, and how we breathe the oxygen of that little embassy ecosystem, right. you know?
0: No, it's true. And, you know, we, we also know that, you know, if, if what we're thinking about through integral is true, that people are, are at a stage of integral consciousness or can be, whether or not they know it whether or not they have ever heard of Ken Wilber or know the integral maps or anything. And, and so I guess I'd ask you, um, what are you finding, particularly in your piece of the puzzle, your milieu of entertainment, c- culture, comedy, um, film, so forth? What do you see in that has a fragrance of integral?
1: Well, a lot. I see it, and you know. Speaking of fragrances, I smell it everywhere. (laughs) I've been been leaping over hills, following the waft of that scent for a decade. In all sincerity, and I think that what's really why I say it's inevitable is that there is an unmistakable, also almost in a tri chi or a three-body way, like it's really a tactile feeling I get. So, the sitting in meetings. To bring it back to the concrete stuff, Sex, God, Rock and Roll, when we made that TV show and I was so lit up and just thought, okay, now let's start making a body, a library of work. Well, let's let's make the television shows and the movies that are the complement and auxiliary uh, to the theory and the academies and all that. So we went to Hollywood. We, had, we wrote more shows. We wrote other movies. Started the process of pitching these shows, integrally informed, depth-oriented shows, but... It all predicated on the simple premise that almost should go without saying that you don't have to know anything about Integral to enjoy these shows. That's not at all how that works. There's not a didactic imperative. I'm not trying to transmit an integral theory or teaching or dogma to anyone, but they're just inspired and they spring from the source of this great creative flow that – increased tenfold when I, when I unpacked Integral in my own life. So we went, start pitching these shows. And what you find, and I'm really interested to hear if you share this experience in these, in these other domains, in Hollywood, pitching TV and film is that people almost always start to crackle. I mean, the room starts to crackle in those meetings, and they mm-hmm. they, get, they get really excited about it. And in that room, it's a total yes, everyone can feel it. and the the folks on the other side of the pitch, they also get that the stagnating, repetitive nature of narrative and storytelling and what what's going on in a lot of entertainment that that's uh, you know, diminishing returns and that mm-hmm. a, a whole new. Something is coming. And so they hear these pitches and they think, oh, this is that thing. This is totally, yes, holy shit, this has never been done before, but it's going to be so recognizable. They leave the room and they go, they have to pitch this show that they love to the board of directors or to the parent company or to whoever it is. And I'll tell you what, every step that they take down the hall is a slight diminishment (laughs) in that crackle. And by the time they get to the board and they're trying to remember what it was that was so fucking magical about the show, <laughs> it's confused and it turns into a vaporous aphasia. <laughs> and the board of directors looks at them like, "What the fuck are you talking?" <laughs> I know about. And they apologize yeah. and push the at the table. And- that's kind of what happens. And that, what happened to me over and over again, I, I apologize for my phone ringing in the background. Okay. That only happens about once a season. <laughs> um, what happened over and over again for us was that, and I would get up and sh- shut it off, but I'm sitting on the couch and I got my computer on. It's going to stop in a moment. Stop, Oh, good. Oh, hold on. Is that the bell of a Zen master? It. there we go there we go so what happens over and over again is you sit in the room you make the pitch and the room is a total yes and those executives sit with you and they i literally heard verbatim over and over people would say things like we're making the show we're gonna we're getting in bed with this is happening like phrases like that over and over again and i was so naive the first few years that i would leave those meetings and think holy shit I just sold a show to fill in the blank. Like I pitched, I have pitched every network you can pitch pretty much. You name it. I've been in that room, Mm -hmm. pitched to those executives, the top 20 networks we all love. And I would say 10 times, not exaggerating. I've left thinking, I just sold a fucking show. It's Mm going to be so huge. My God, they love it. It's bulletproof. They said we're making, they said that. You know, so fast forward a month, two months, three months, you know, a lot of things happen from, you know, they pick it up, they hold on to it for a while, they put it into their early stages of development, or maybe they want to option it. It always falls apart. So the reason I think it falls apart, to get back to your original question, is that there's an initial recognition. Most of these folks are really pretty smart, deep, um, creative types. I mean, contrary to the caricature of Hollywood. It's actually a place that's pretty full of creative, amazing people. And when they sit in that room, they feel the inkling of integral creativity and emergence within themselves. There is an actual sympathetic resonance that occurs and we all feel it and it's real. And they want to unpack that in their lives and they want to unpack meaning and value in their entertainment. They see and feel all of that and it's real, but it's not... Uh, it's not a stage yet. It's a state. You know, we're encountering this initially as a state. And so the stage that I think we've been predicting and anticipating for so long is still probably a ways off. You know, the the cultural creative atmosphere in the business and show business New York, LA or elsewhere, where this is going to be more of the norm and where the, I, I think it's a real trust factor too, because when you're an executive and you leave that room, And you go to pitch to your boss, and you have to think of a reason why they should take a risk on a show that's different in this way, Mm -hmm. it falls apart very quickly because no one knows what this demographic is. I mean, if you try to tell people, why not look at interior demographics of development? If you were looking instead of 18 to 34 or, you know, 35 to 40, if you were looking at the interior developmental demographics you would see that there's a fucking huge audience for this it's tens of millions of people want to see this Mm -hmm. but you can't say that that demographic is too slippery and too weird and so in that second round of meetings it all falls apart but I think that it's like a salmon trying to jump up its little you know steps of of uh the water We have to do that a few thousand times, maybe. I don't know how many no's I have to hear. That's okay.
0: (laughs) It's like Ken said, people were talking about modernity for 300 years before the French Revolution. (laughs) 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 Kind of depressing, but true.
1: It is really true. And I think that the nice thing we have going for us in the art and entertainment world is that you can circumvent a lot of the obstacles because it's a creative enterprise so you can encode things you can create decoys and still still traffic in the same depth but use a symbol system that won't give it away quite as much whereas if you're in politics or you're in medicine or other you know areas it's a much more challenging set of hurdles maybe
0: no for sure and I, i think that culture and um is is it's always one of the leading edge I mean art, art and culture that that's sort of it's the point of it is to show us bring in the new. Um, so I think that's um, that is the leading edge and you know politics and economics for sure are sort of the trailing emergence as cultures move forward. Uh, what do you think what what's your feeling for
1: you know if can you give us And Ark, when you first encountered this, what your level of optimism and expectation was, what you thought was going to unfold before your very eyes in the next 10 or 20 years, and what you, how has it changed and what does it look
0: like to you now? Well, I I think mine is an oft-told story in the integral world, I, uh, particularly among maybe us first-generation people, and that is I, like you, found a book. I found a Ken Wilber book. And um, so I didn't know anybody who had ever heard of it. Uh, And so I spent a lot of time talking to people and trying to convince them and buying them Ken Wilber books and being disappointed that they didn't read them, or even being more disappointed that they did read them, and it meant nothing to them. And um, that uh, was sort of my first, uh, you know, I was very lonely in the first years of my integral life. And then I hooked up with the Integral scene as it was beginning to unfold, and Ken, this was in 2003, and started the Integral seminars, and we worked on that in the Integral Institute. And I've been—it's been my business, if you will, uh, which I'm, you know, paying for the privilege of doing. But so be it. Uh, that's what I've been doing ever since, and and I still see, and, and, and paradoxically, the the problem and the disappointment, uh, and the sort of Puzzlement, that it doesn't have more traction, in some ways is explained by integral itself. And that is that these developmental levels are real. And if somebody's at uh, the modern orange or postmodern green stage of development, they don't, they're not going to resonate with integral. They're actually just not there yet. And so you start talking about even natural hierarchies. To somebody who is in green, that doesn't feel like progress to them. That feels like regress. That feels like we're mm. we're moving back in time, and you know they're not going to go for it. Yeah. Um, but I do think that there's an argument to be made that, and that maybe not anybody, but people who are leading the way, uh, particularly in politics. And I'm thinking NGOs and, you know, business people, I think Bill Gates, you know, I think some of these people are integral enough in that they're, um, you know, they, they, like Sam Harris, some of these people, they don't really see interiors in the way mm-hmm. that, that integralists do. But, um, you know, David Brooks, there's, there are writers uh, who are at least synthesizing left and right to some degree. And that's encouraging to me. and of course, uh, for me and, and, and I, this is one of the themes of my blog is I am a, a big Obama apologist. I mean, I think one of the, the exemplars of, of integral functioning is Barack Obama. And so uh, he's sort of, you know, a, a, a shining example to me of somebody who's functioning at that stage of development, even I'm not sure he's ever heard of any of it but you know he's my guy
1: i bet he has
0: i wouldn't be surprised i know the clintons have and 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 um and bill clinton as we know t- has talked about ken Wilbur publicly a couple times so um but um yeah so so when you look
1: at for the remainder of your 40 or 50 years on earth or whatever <laughs> yeah, you know it could be 200 who knows mm-hmm. now with life really? extension but how how do you you know, those lonely years, does that contrast <clears throat> with the great sense of buoyancy, knowing that you've seen changes in political office and in positions of power and business and real cultural authorities of a global scale? Does that make you feel like it's closer than maybe I feel like it is or, yeah. I, you know?
0: Well, you know, I, I certainly have, a, a, you know, a lot of good feelings about the state of the world I think, in terms of people who've been risen out of poverty. And I, I think even with all of the f- focus that we have on the wars in the Middle East, these are really the trailing edge of war. In, and we can you know, see that war is a developmental function. It, you know, once you get to modernity and post-modernity, war is no longer seen as the way forward. And just like cannibalism and slavery and, you know, child labor, these things do go away. Um, we, we grow out of them. And I think we're, as a planet, growing um, remarkably fast with some real problems in the meantime. Uh, but I don't see, um, you know, I, I'd like to see, a, a you know, a really consequential op-ed. Um, I'd like to see... Um, um, some think tanks. Uh, I, I'd like to hear of a philosophy department in a university where integral theory is taken seriously. And and mm-hmm. I know students who are in philosophy departments who are you know integrally informed, and they're you know they're they're it's, it, they don't even talk about it. And and the problem, of course, is and Ken points this out, is that academia being still, you know, a function of orange and green have, um, you know, no room for real interiority. And they they can't process spirituality as being anything other than some fundamentalism or superstition or woo-woo. And, you know, until that changes, and I guess it changes uh, under its own power, and God knows it's going to change faster than you know, the change from traditionalism to modernity, it's not going to take any 300 years. But, um, you know, and, and if, again, if I look at our own lifetime, as I said before, in the last 10 years, there is an integral community. There wasn't before. Uh, I can see it even, you know, that uh, America elected the black guy with the name Hussein. I mean, that's astonishing. I still can't get over that. And we're seven years mm-hmm. into it. Uh, that there's, um, you know, a lot of movement forward.
1: It's very interesting. I I guess I uh, oscillate between, uh, you know, return to unbounded optimism and then also wanting to conserve and direct. I I guess, you know, I'd be interested to hear about what your strategy has been as well moving through the, the trials and tribulations. You know, there's been... I can't speak for your experience but for me there's been it's been some boxing matches in this process not necessarily fighting with other people but even within myself and within the the limits and contours of the cultural conditions and so when you feel this unbridled energy and explosive wanted to create things and make these possibilities real now and then you realize like okay the setting and the context is still not going to allow for this the strategy for not just, you know, curling up or going and doing something else. I mean, you've really been one of those folks who have gotten through quite a bit of the changes within mm-hmm. that community, even in the last 10 years. Did you just rely on your witnessing awareness the
0: whole time, or <laughs> what was <what's> the secret? <laughs> well, you know, um, I think I'm a little bit Aspergery. It just, some of it doesn't penetrate, which is a, a sort of a kindness. But yeah, it's, um, yeah, it's it's one of the things that you realize too is that you 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 could think that you're at the cutting edge of of development and and maybe even you know justify that argument and position, but you're still human and um, and so the integral world has been a world full of human beings with all of the human impulses and um, you know fights and meltdowns and reconstructions and. I don't have a big problem. I mean, I, mean, I, don't, I was going to say I don't have a big problem with that. I don't, actually, uh, especially if I look at it from the 50,000-foot view. Uh, but because I think that's the nature of evolution. I mean, we see that conflict is actually in consternation or actually engines of evolution. Yeah. And and they still are. I think, actually, as we move into higher stages of development, that, that takes on a new complexion we sort of... Uh, engage in what we would call creative destruction or we turn towards our pain and we metabolize these kinds of things way, way, way more consciously. But in the meantime, you know, it can be brutal. But what I see, if I even look at the, the, the recent history of the Integral Movement, where we had the Integral Institute, uh, which was sort of the center node of the whole integral uh, integral community, this is back in two thousand and six two thousand and seven, mm-hmm. and then that belted down and had you know a uh, 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 sort of fell apart and then but there but by that time, there had been many thousands of people who had been magnetized to the you know to the scene and so what we have seen happen is Many of those people have continued in their own way. They were no, they're no longer waiting for the Integral Institute to have the red light and green light and say where we're going. And I think that was a, a, a perfectly natural stage of development. But what we have now is it's like the seeds of Integral have been sown all over the world and they're growing in their own soil. And yeah, there's no, you know, central uh, command, But that may be okay, and I think it's probably the next stage of evolution of the community. And so what I'm encouraged by is that I continue, and this slays me in a way, to run into people and organizations who are doing even doctrinaire integral work and good work and writing papers and and doing programs and, and, and podcasts and so forth that I've never heard of. And that is yeah. encouraging to me because it feels like it has a life of its own now.
1: I totally agree. And and one of the strange experiences in Hollywood that I had numerous times was being in these pitch meetings. And I, I mean, I had some surreal experiences of walking in and assuming that I was cold pitching to you know, conventional execs or whatever that even means. And then a few minutes into it, them stopping me and saying, Just yeah, I've I've seen everything you've done. I I've, I've been on Integral Naked <laughs> for two years. Yeah. That happened to me with top executives at these cable networks they were like oh yeah i've i've watched everything on integral naked i i've read a bunch of ken wilber books i know all your stuff so you don't have to prime me i got that so so then the next question becomes that that happened in different forms many times over years and i began to realize like wow there's really a population of people in hollywood who are you know Ken Wilber or Integral Savvy or whatever you want to think of it, even many more who are just developmentally there and are unaware of that stuff, which as you said, I mean, I think that's that's the normal route of real actual development. You don't have to have to read a Ken Wilber book or whatever. So that stuff is all really there. And <clears throat> that, that made me wonder... Why is it so difficult then to get the conveyor belt moving, to get this content created that I know they're supportive of and enthusiastic for? And I think it just comes back to the same as in any of those systems, which is, it's going to take some funerals.
0: <laughs> yeah, It's going yes. to take some time. Yeah. It's going to
1: take a little more gumption and a little more pushing and maybe some, some lube here and there, but all of it, <laughs> all of it together with with some exuberance is going to get it there. And then also like, it's really great the way it is now too. Yeah. This also is totally kick-ass and perfect. Yeah. So.
0: No, it's true. And it's very encouraging to me. And I think uh, anybody who's listening to this to think that you're on a houseboat in Amsterdam and um, and, 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 and all hermited up uh, doing your thing. Uh, I'm really, really excited to hear that, Stuart.
1: Well, I feel so lucky. I got to tell you, I just feel really, really fortunate. And, uh, you know, it's you, it's everybody in the community. Um, it's the folks that I've been able to work with. And the fact that as an artist, I'm able to be in a boat and take time to focus and write, I it does not go by me unnoted. Yeah. Any Every day, I'm so thankful for that. And I realize how, I mean, like, For instance, this canal that I live on, it's one where the Nazis came in and they just pulled thousands of Jews out of these buildings and hauled them off when they came into Amsterdam. All the time, I think about how many artists and creative folks, you know, were just geniuses. How many geniuses just never got a chance to unpack? And so, examples like that, there's just thousands and thousands of them. And I just feel so lucky and grateful. And, you know, the opportunities here, can write, and just going to keep swinging the bat as long as they let me put my hands on it. Yeah. And,
0: yeah, you know, well, team God love, team love, right, team Jeff? Love. Team that's love, that's right. So, <laughs> so, Stuart, how, how, could people uh, find any of your work? Are you keeping a website going? The you... work is all
1: hidden. It's all esoteric <laughs> now. It's just scattered.
0: What's the code? Scat-
1: around North America in various bathrooms and uh, trash heaps. No, it's StuartDavis.com, spelled S-T-U-A-R-T-D-A-V-I-S, and SexGodRockAndRoll.com. The TV show is is still on there. In fact, we're going to put season one and two online Great. in in their full, complete versions, and so everyone will be able to watch both seasons of that for free pretty soon. Um. Well, that's and good other, to
0: hear. Okay. I, I, I I remember sitting there watching them in the audience, and it was thrilling. your
1: laugh was broadcast to millions of people I, over, hard. <laughs> I remember you sitting right in the front row. I, I mean, true. I'm not kidding. Your laugh is all over that show. It's distinctively present in numerous episodes. You will you'll laugh when you hear your laugh
0: I'm watching the show. I'm happy to hear it. Well, good, Stuart. Um, so, anything else we need to know?
1: Just big hugs, just big hugs, and I miss you. And come and visit us on the boat.
0: We'll, well let you yeah. drive it. Really? You actually? It's not just like moored there. You actually ride around?
1: It's it's moored and there's no steering apparatus,
0: but you can drive it. <laughs> okay, well, I'll keep that in mind. <laughs>
1: <laughs> it's, a, it's a spiritual metaphor that I've been studying in my, my life.
0: Yeah. Well, thanks, Stuart.
1: You All right, take thanks, care. Jeff.
0: We'll, we'll, because... we'll, we'll talk to you. Stay in touch and uh, and. Uh, and continue to see uh, how how the world turns for you. Um, um, you're one of the you know really leading lights in this community, and it's exciting to talk to you.
1: Likewise, brother. I love you, and I miss you.
0: Love you too.